0: Log Talk Radio Hello, and welcome to Fiction. I'm your host, Bernadette Walsh, and I am so pleased to introduce my guest tonight, women's fiction author, Julia Amante. Julia is the author of Evenings at the Argentine Club, Say You'll Be Mine, and That Was Then. Julia writes emotionally rich stories about family, love, and the passion of chasing and achieving one's dreams. Her books reflect the flavor and rhythm of Latino communities in the U.S. Julia grew up in California, the daughter of Argentine parents who taught her to value her roots and to be proud of her Latina heritage, as well as to be grateful for the life they built in America. To her, being Latina is not separate from being American. Her immigrant story is part of the great history of this country. So Julia, I'm so pleased you joined us. Thank you so much for, I had to reschedule this a few times, but, um, but welcome. Welcome to Fearless Fiction. How are you this evening?
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I'm doing great, and I and, uh, thank you for inviting me to, to be here, and I really am excited.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's gonna. We have a, so much, actually, as I'm reading and was looking at your website, I feel like we have so much in common. So why don't we just hop into it right away? Why don't you tell us a little bit about why you started writing and how long you've been writing?
1: Uh, sure. So I started writing back in 1998. I uh, sold, I think, like you my first book to Kensington Publishing. And uh, at that time, they had started um, a line of Latina romances called Encanto. Mm-hmm. And I sold, I think it was four books to them before their line closed. And only one book was actually released, which was kind of disappointing, but <laughs> that's the way it goes in publishing. Uh, and I was able to recover and, and work with uh, two other publishers and sold another four books. So it was, it was, uh, that was my start. And how many books have
0: you sold or written altogether? I think I'm on number 10 right now. Oh, okay, great. And so you started with romance or or women's fiction, or you've been hopping back and forth?
1: I started with romance, and I actually started under a different pseudonym. So at that time, I was writing under Lara Rios and uh yeah like i said i sold four books to kensington but uh since it was a new line they had they had started the bet lines i don't know if you remember those so those were the uh, african american uh, romance lines and and kensington had a lot of success with that line and uh so they decided well why don't we try uh latino romances so they jumped into that but Honestly, I don't think they understood the market as well. It's such a, you know, the Latino community is so varied depending on what part of the United States you live in. And so it, it didn't do as well as they expected it to do. And at that point, they decided to close the line. <laughs> so I had to move on to something else.
0: And so are you all, are, are you with a publisher now or are you self-published at all or
1: are you a hybrid? Yeah, so now I'm independently published. I have my own publishing company, um, and I, uh, I'm calling it Wise Writer Publishing. And I am, yeah. So I've I've now released. Let me see, I have my third book with my own publishing company, and I'm I'm really enjoying it because it's it's. I get to be involved in everything, not only the writing, but the uh, cover design. I don't do my own cover, but I, I I hire people to do the cover designing and and working with my editors, and I get to make all the decisions, uh which is a little nerve wracking and it's a lot of work, but I also have complete control of everything. I don't have to uh you know, as as a as a traditional publish author, we send out our, our our manuscripts and it could it's sometimes a couple of years before the book comes out. Uh we we're dependent on a lot of other decisions that the publishers make. So this is this is new but I'm really enjoying it. This is my third year, third book publishing on my own. Right, right.
0: But I think what's so helpful, and again, I, I feel like our, our writing journeys really have a lot of parallels, because I don't think I could have just jumped into self-publishing and been successful and produced like a good product. I really learned so much of my time at Lyrical Press, which then became part of Kensington. But, you know, because I, I didn't know anything. I really didn't know a thing. And I taught, they looked, taught me so much about how to edit, how to self edit. And so it was yeah. just so much easier when I then self published. A lot of my a lot of my books I got the rights back so they had done all the hard work.
1: Oh. But oh, um, that's but good. the ones
0: I've done since then, um, you know, it's like I said, um it's great to have the control but I'm still, yes. you know, I'm still considering uh, for my new book that I'm working on right now, I, I I think I would like to go and have that one be traditionally published because I feel like in some ways it's a bigger book than I've done before, and yeah. I would love to yeah. to get that exposure because it's you know right, I think right. my products you know are great and I'm sure yours are great as well. It's always finding that audience. It's just a little bit harder when you're you know yeah. when you're an indie published author. But um, so maybe right we can talk right, a and that's the advantage show.
1: of. I'm oh, sorry,
0: Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. No, I was going to
1: say that you're right that that is the that that's the advantage of being traditionally published is you really don't have to worry about finding the audience. I mean you do in some ways. You always have to be out there looking for your readers, but the publisher does do a lot of the the a lot of that work. They they send your books out for review. There's a lot of things that they do that that is nice not to have to do. So, <laughs> I totally get that and I'm not against actually publishing with a traditional publisher again, but right now I am kind of, I am just kind of enjoying it, doing it on my own and, and having that control. Yeah. And it
0: sounds like maybe you learned from some of the mistakes that a big guy like Kensington did because you know your audience, it sounds like, better than they knew their audience. So maybe you can talk a little bit about how you reach your audience.
1: You know, that is the difficult part. I, finding the audience is, is always a challenge and And you don't always get it right. So sometimes, like, I think I know my audience. At least I think I understand the Latino community, and I do understand, uh, like, some of the things that they did at first. Uh, Again, they tried their best, and I'm I'm definitely not, um, you know, not saying anything bad against Kensington. I, I totally appreciate, and they gave me the start, and like you said, I learned a lot from them. But some of their, like, the the covers were very uh, sexy, very romancy. And I remember being at a mall back then. where They had Walden Books and all that. And they had the bookstores in the malls. Uh, and sitting there, and people, like Latino people, and I'd get so excited. I'd think, okay, well, this person looks Latino. They probably are Latino. Maybe they'll come and buy my book. And they would look at those sexy covers, and the moms would seem kind of uncomfortable with their little kids, and they'd keep walking past. And I thought, well, are the, are the covers too sexy, or are they i don't know, and they were thinking because the latino community loves novellas I'm not sure if you're familiar with novellas, but they're you know very sexy soap operas right <laughs> so, uh,
0: the t v the t v uh, novellas right the soap operas
1: yeah yeah the the soap operas and they were they were thinking that these novels would be similar to that and that the audience would like it, but that wasn't really the case they um so I, I don't think they understood the audience. And I don't know that I understand the audience that much more. I do understand a little more, um, but finding exactly what people want to read or or finding where these people are. Even if you know who they are, where do they hang out? Are they on social media? Are they, uh, you know, how do you find them? And that is tough.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is tough. So yeah. I actually have a very interesting question for you, and I ask it for all of my romance slash women's uh, fiction friends and um, guests. So where do you draw the line between romance and women's fiction? Because I think sometimes it's very stark. It's very, you know, you can tell, okay, this is definitely women's fiction. But then there's a Mm -hmm. lot of books that could kind of, they could just as easily be characterized as contemporary romance. And so where, where do you find the line?
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think that at least for my books, what distinguishes them from my older books that were strictly romance is that the relationship is not just, uh, the love interest. So it's, it's more than that. It could be a mother daughter relationship. It could be a book about friends. Uh, and also I think the themes are, can be much darker. Uh, I've written about, um, Cancer. I've written one of my one of my characters have a, a a woman who's who's actually a doctor and she gets cancer. I've written about gang violence uh, in the Latino community. I've written about uh, just a lot of topics that are much darker that maybe wouldn't do so well in you know strictly romance. So I do think that the the topics are deeper, they're darker. Uh, there's more uh, relationships between different. That doesn't have to be a love relationship. A lot of times they are, like you said. There's a lot of crossover, but uh, I think that's probably what distinguishes it most. I don't feel I have to have a romance in my in my novels, even though I usually do. Because <laughs> that's yeah, where I started.
0: Yeah. Well, because it's, you're reflecting women's lives, right? That's what women's exactly. fiction is. And so
1: relationships
0: are always important. And sometimes I even go like I like I said, I'm, I'm in the middle of a book right now. Some of the I have sex scenes, right, because sex is part of life. But yeah, I think the difference right. is it's not the the sole focus. It's those other relationships. Yes, yes. And it's the woman's exactly. journey, right, how you change, how yes. you change.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And, you, and it doesn't have to end happy either, which is another new thing for me. I mean, I think American stories, uh, ten, we we tend to like that happily ever after, even if it's not a romance. But it doesn't have to be. Uh, I just mm-hmm. think it has to be satisfying. It has to be an ending where someone says, that made sense, and I really enjoyed it, even if the character didn't end up with their goal. Um, so I think that's another big difference because in romance, you you always have that happily ever after, and the couple always ends up together. <laughs> so it's just how did they get there, but they always, they're always together at the end. Right.
0: So I think, like myself, you are a first-generation American. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. So it sounds like that, yeah, my, my, well, I guess on one side, my father is American, but my mom was from Ireland. So, um, but his parents oh, okay. were from Ireland. So I kind of consider myself, you know, first generation. And then my husband actually is from Ireland as well. So um, the immigrant experience, I've kind of experienced it in different ways, right? Obviously my parents influenced me um, and now even my husband's experience. So it sounds like your your parent your family experience has
1: influenced your writing quite a bit. Maybe you could talk a little yes. bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely. They, in my last book, so last my last book, um, titled Let Us Begin, was released in August of last year, and I based that novel on my parents' immigration journey. Um, so in some ways, that was probably the most difficult book that I've written because there's so much that was true and so much that was real. So I would say like maybe 50% of what's in that book actually really did happen to my parents. Um, And there's, and I'm even a character in that book. So I start out as a little girl and then I grow up. So it, it, it does, it does influence everything. It influences that the, the whole book is about the American dream, about chasing the American dream and um really what does it take to be an american and how you know what do you have to give up in order to to get that dream because they had to give up their family in their country they had to give up um knowing anybody they just came here my dad came first and then my mother um he wrote her a love letter and and sent and uh, proposed to her <laughs> asked her to marry him and so she flew out here and and they they got married within days within a week they were married and uh and so growing up with immigrant parents that didn't really know how to they didn't know anything they, they 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 were learning as they were going along um so even like how to get into college or how to and how to do anything they didn't know how to do it i had to learn everything on my own and i think that's probably the most difficult part of having immigrant parents is that you that they, they can't guide you and you also don't have an extended family i don't know you you said your dad was american but your mom was not no that's
0: right when i was growing up um it's funny because i used to always be jealous of other kids like even my holy you know i'm catholic so my communion you know some of my friends had like 40 people like coming to the church and it was always just like the five of us my parents and my brother and sister and we really didn't have a lot of extended family and i remember my mom said well don't worry honey when you when you get married You can have your husband's family. And I do have my (laughs) husband's family, and they're wonderful. But they live across the ocean, just like the rest of my mom's family. So, you know, it's definitely definitely a mixed bag. And I, I think what's, you know, at least in my mother's experience, she came here when she was 18. She was the second oldest of 11. And she didn't really have a lot of choices. And she was so young, you know. So, of course, she she came to America, you know, there was so much more opportunity. And I think, you know, so she didn't have time to think, like, is this the right decision? Is this not the right decision? When you're young, too, you can't think that far ahead. And so I don't think she ever, it was only when she was much older, like, I think she said she was like 40. And and she finally, she came back from a trip from Ireland and she came home and she's like, oh, this is my home now. It took her that long to realize yeah, this yeah. is my home now. You know what I mean? And right, so, right. you know, and I think, too, like that a lot of a lot of immigrants think of all the things they can give their children, which my my parents did an amazing job, right? They sent me to college. I was the first in my family to go to college, like so many things. Yeah. But you also right. lose a lot, right? Becoming American, you're yes. yes, you become American, but now you're something totally different, from what they were, and you know, right. you're you're oh, an yeah. Irish American or Argentinian American, right? You're a, hy- a hyphenated person, and that's different. Right. You know, <laughs> it's just a different experience. <laughs> I'm not saying it's better. It right. is. It is. So it's well. It was
1: it's, funny, guy. I went to I went to Argentina when I was 17. And, uh, there was a lot going on. My parents were sort of thinking of going back and they sent us kids first. And I thought, okay, well, I never quite felt like I fit in here, but when I go there, I'm going to be with Argentines and I'm going to fit in. And it was the absolute opposite for them. I was the American girl. And so I thought, well, I don't really fit in here and I don't really fit in, in the United States. So where do I, (laughs) it was it was a challenge, as you know, as a young teen, you, you you don't feel like you belong anywhere, anyways, and so that added to that sort of weird feeling of not of identity, and that's a lot of what my books are about too is is identity of who who are you really, uh, and I think it's based it's because of the things that I felt growing up.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds yeah. like you know people from di- you know from different ethnic groups especially first generation Americans can really relate. Cause everything you just said is exactly how I felt like we have growing up. Like we had such a connection with Ireland that, that my mother didn't with us. So we did Irish step dancing. We always listened to Irish music and I would go and people, if they asked me what I was, I would say, well, I'm Irish. But when I went <laughs> right. back to Ireland, they're like, no, you're American. Like you're a different, yeah. <laughs> a very, very different animal. So. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're not anything you, like us. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Although I remember getting off the plane and this was, you know, I went to Ireland when I, you know, in the 70s, right? I was a kid. Or I, th- mm-hmm. I think when I was in high school, I went once, so the 80s. And Ireland is a much more multicultural country now, but at the time it was not. But I remember getting up and I was yeah. like, wow, like everyone looks like me. Like I just go, wow, this is really <laughs> weird. Like having freckles and being really, really, really pale is normal here. Like, wow, this is really great. So, you know, it's, it's so funny, but it it, it really does. It, I've tried to write books that are not like so focused on the immigrant experience, but I always have a little bit of elements of it, you know, because I think it's just so yeah, core yeah. to who I am, you know, so that just comes out right. when, I, when I'm in front of the keyboard. So
1: it's yeah, so funny. Yeah, exactly.
0: So what books are you working on now? Or um, are you still working on women's fiction? Do you have anything, you know, or do you have anything coming out soon?
1: Yeah, I don't have anything coming out soon. Because, um, yeah, my last book was just released last year. And I've been in the promotion mode, you know, for for the last few months. But uh, I actually started thinking of writing uh, two very different books. So one is uh, A Christmas Story. I've never written an actual Christmas story, and I love them. Maybe it's because we just left Christmas and I've read a few of them. I'm like, I want to write one of these. And so I'm considering that we'll see. And then the other thing is, I actually want to write a nonfiction book. I I I have a a medium blog where I give advice to writers, and I also have a YouTube channel where I do the same. I give tips to writers. Um, In fact, you should you should be my guest. You should come to to my YouTube channel and talk about. I would love to be a guest. (laughs) I would love to be a guest. Yeah, yeah. So that that would be great. So I since I give a lot of advice on writing, then uh, I, I thought, well, you know, there are a lot of books out there on writing already, but maybe if I can come up with something unique or some unique perspective, then I might be interested in writing a nonfiction book, which I have never done before.
0: Well, that's, it sounds great. Sounds Sounds like, and sometimes it's it's nice to use a different side of your brain, you know, just see if you can do it, you know.
1: Yes, it is, it is.
0: Now, now do you belong to any writing groups or, you know, are you like kind of a lone yeah. wolf when you write? have a critique group like how does that all work for mm-hmm.
1: you i don't currently i did for a very long time i belonged to a couple of um romance writers of america uh groups and then they disbanded mm-hmm. it so, that, so mm-hmm. i don't currently <laughs> belong to any group uh so I just, uh, yeah, I write on my own, and I think because you know, after twenty-five years, at first, I, I really needed them. I needed a critique group, and I needed to get some feedback, and just gain that confidence as a writer. Mm-hmm. And now I'm pretty secure. I, I, I know if a story isn't working, or you know, we, we never, we can never be a hundred percent sure, but I'm, but I know how to put a story together. Before I didn't. I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't. It, it, were my character consistent? It was the, did the plot make sense? So I I really got a lot out of working with a critique group, and now now I can pretty much do it on my own. Mhm.
0: Yeah. No. The critique groups are are kind of a mixed bag. I sometimes I kind of go in waves. There are times when I mm-hmm. right now I'm actually a little more active in my local writing group it's called the long island romance writers which is hard because i really don't write romance anymore but it's a great group of people they used to be part of rwa but they've kind of disaffiliated. affiliated and i just recently oh, okay. joined another um which i haven't because joining a, a writing group is actually like time like to really get something out of it you kind of have to put into it and so um yeah. but I, i'm joining i just recently joined another writing group that's having it's multi-genre so and that'll be a different experience um so like I said, I, there are times that I'm more active than not, but I'm I, this book that I've been working on has been, like, two years. It's been a little bit of a bear, and I'm almost, like, I'm seeing that light <laughs> at the end of the tunnel, and it's not another train coming at me. I think it's actually getting to the end. So um, okay, I went to my, good. yeah,
1: I went to That's my That's a producer, great feeling it, when
0: you're. It is. It is a really great feeling. It is a really great feeling, so. Yeah, yeah. That. When
1: when it starts to come together and you you can start seeing all the all your hard work, it's like okay, this is this is really going to work. Then it feels so good. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for
0: sure. Now, in terms of your books, do you uh, have you pursued doing audiobooks or do you do translations?
1: Like, do you do no you translations with, do you, because my yeah. Spanish is not not strong at all, but uh i I hired a uh an audiobook person for for let Us begin the, my last book and he was great it had to be the character. the main character is male, so i had to, i i needed a male character so i didn't feel comfortable doing it myself but I am mm-hmm. actually going to try to record my own audiobook i I need to really investigate that a little more because i don't know anything about that <laughs> but,
0: i think it's hard I, actually i think it is yeah. like it's amazing if you can do it. But even to have the equipment, I, I again, a woman in my, um, my writing group was telling me that she, she does, she's in radio, so she's like the perfect person to do her own audiobooks. but she has like a little yes. studio that's like her closet. I mean, it's like, so it's because wow, you don't want, wow. you know, your dogs barking and all that other good stuff. So I actually did right. do a couple of audiobooks but but um, I did it, you know, oh, where I share the, the um, I share the
1: royalties with the person who, 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 um, oh, who yeah, did it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, it's expensive though, isn't it? Yeah, it's expensive. Yeah,
0: it is a little bit, Um, but I wanted to get it, and I haven't done it for all my titles, but it, it is kind of cool to hear mm. that. And I've done a couple of translations through, again, like those, those um I think Babel, Babel Cube or something, um again, where you hmm. kind of, which is interesting, but you're kind of, um, and I've had, like I've had a good experience with all but one. I had a German translation of one of my books, and apparently it was, it's hard to check, right? Because I don't speak German, yeah. right? They give you the opportunity to read it. But I was like, well, if I knew how to speak German, <laughs> then I wouldn't need you. So it's yeah. they had good reviews. I, you know, I had somebody check a few pages. It seemed okay, but then I got these like really, really horrible reviews about oh, how no. my German was just terrible. So I was like, oh. oh so you, don't, no. you know, you have to really be a little careful that they're not just like putting your book into some kind of program and then, you know,
1: calling it uh-huh. a translation. But do you, do you then? have to find your foreign publisher to sell these books?
0: No, you, you they handle it. Like Babel Cube does everything. Oh. So you just Yeah. Yeah, oh,
1: nice.
0: It's it's kind of easy. Um but so um so that was my only bad experience. But it's actually kind of cool to read my <laughs> um you know, my reviews in Italian <laughs> to see, you know, how they react <laughs> to my stories about, you know, Irish people living in New York. But um but Yeah,
1: it's, yeah. It's, it's or or seeing the different covers, right? That's cool too. Yeah
0: yeah well, it's all my own cover, yeah. so you know I kinda of do that.
1: oh, okay. they didn't redo yeah. the covers
0: no no it's not it's it's all like it's kind of like self publishing but it's you know okay you just share you have to share some of the royalties with you know either either the translator or um or the person who does the audio book so oh, anyway, okay. anything to find an audience right yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe
0: you could tell me what's maybe you could talk about maybe what's your favorite book or your favorite character.
1: Oh boy, Um, yeah, I don't know. I I I could tell you one of my favorite characters that I wrote that I had a a really back uh, when I was uh, Laura (laughs) Rios back when I had a different different character different I had different pseudonym. So uh, I wrote uh, a book called Becoming Latina into an easy step. And uh it was about a woman who finds out that she's actually only half latina, and she uh has an identity crisis, <laughs> so fit perfect with with me and my identity crisis and she tries to find out um who her real birth father was and and all this stuff. but she was probably my favorite character that I wrote because she was a lot of fun, she was all over the place she was She was sort of a chick lit character, you know, she she had part of her life uh, together. She had she was really good at her career, but she was a disaster in romance that she could not find the right guy. Um, And she was very strong, but she was also vulnerable. So I really enjoyed writing her. Um, So she's probably the favorite character, my favorite character that I wrote. As far as other characters, oh, my God, I don't know. I love all the Susan Elizabeth Phillips characters. I think she's amazing. (laughs) I wish I could write like her. (laughs) But uh, how about you? What was your favorite character? My character,
0: (laughs) well, it's funny. My my character, well, I was actually was asking you about your own characters that you've created, not others. But that's, um, you know, sometimes it's always the characters who's had them in right now. um, But, no, I've had some really fun characters, like, I wrote a, a series of paranormal romances, again, earlier in my career. But some of, writing some of those witch stories, where they were some of them were very, very kick-ass women. So those, those, that was really fun oh. to write because it was people who were, like, totally different from me. Um, I've had a couple of yeah. characters who are, uh, you know, are very much like Bernadette in her real life. I've written about a lot of lawyers because that's my day job. Um, ah. But I think right now I'm writing about um, – I've also explored – Again, similar, I think, to some of your books, the mother-daughter relationship. So um, yeah. I think my, um, my last book, and, and I've also done a, a couple of those, like, friend frenemies, like friends, but, yeah. you know, obviously other <laughs> things. Yeah. So um, I think my, my, favorite, uh, my favorite book is probably, or my favorite character at the moment is probably the two women that I featured in um, A Safe Distance. And, again, that was a book. That was set in a pandemic with something similar mm. to our own pandemic and they were neighbors. And so everyone was kind of trapped mm. in this suburban cul-de-sac and a lot of uh, secrets came to light. So both of them. Oh, wow. Happened. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. a very, very fun book. <laughs> um, and I like, you know, mm. again, and I wrote it during the real pandemic. So when I was writing it, I didn't really know where the pandemic would go. Right. You know, being in your house, not really knowing. So my pandemic was much, much worse than the real one. And not that the real one was, (laughs) you know, a piece of cake, but anyway. Yeah. So I'm really (laughs) enjoying it. The book I'm writing now is, um, is about a mother daughter. And again, the mother's an Irish immigrant and it's her daughter. And it's, um, it, it it's, it's really been a fun ride. It really is. And it's, it's funny I write a lot about mothers and sometimes people will be like, mm-hmm. "Oh, is that was that your mother?" And I'm like, "No, my mom is yeah. it's great. She's
1: <laughs> cool and
0: very nice." And and but you can't write about people who are cool and very nice like you need conflict, right? Yeah, so, exactly, I, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know,
0: it, it, it's funny. I, I finally said to somebody, I was like, you know, I actually am a mother as well. So sometimes I I put a lot of things that I think my failings as a mother, and I put those into my characters. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a there's yeah, a lot of fun.
1: And I had that uh, one of mine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One of the books that I uh, wrote before the, the last one, uh, also. Was a mother-daughter relationship, and they didn't get along very well. And that's co- the complete opposite of me and my mother. We, my, she's my best friend, so I get along so well with her. But uh, in the book, they clashed, and you know, with everything. Uh, and so again, I like you. I thought, you know, w- my daughter is a teenager, and sometimes we don't see eye to eye on things, and this generation is much different than how we grew up and so it's a lot of, a harder sometimes to understand them so i was able to put some of that in there so it wasn't so much the relationship i have with my mom but closer to the relationship i have with my with my daughter so yeah sometimes uh you know you, you borrow from different parts of your life and you you toss it into your book but they're never your real family you know
0: no, and even when if you start, even if you're inspired by somebody in your real life, by the time you get to the end of the book, they've transformed. Like, each of the characters, oh, yeah. there's a certain amount of Bernadette DNA in them, but they become their own people. Yes. So, but right. it's funny, when, right. my, when I have people, you know, friends of mine, and I write under um, a pseudonym, so, you know, I only not everyone knows, actually, that I'm a writer. But I've, I've shared my <laughs> books with some people, and it's funny to be like, there's one book um, – that was very much based on my my college experience um called friends forever and the one of the characters was kind of the bad girl in in college i was the like the definition of a nerd in college right this is not me at all <laughs> but my friend was like oh my gosh i didn't know you you did that kind of stuff in college i was like yeah it's called fiction for a reason it's fiction yeah. but yeah <laughs> It's That's kind why of I'm fun, very actually, very careful about... these other
1: characters though.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, but I'm very careful about who I who I tell that I'm I'm a writer or not. Well, Julia, maybe you could tell people where they can find you online.
1: Yeah, sure. They uh, well, my website I guess is the best place. So juliamonte.com, and I'm on Facebook, and I'm on facebook.com/writerjulia. Uh, or just the link. I think Linktree is the best because then you can find everything about the writer. So um, I'm at Linktree slash Julia Monte.
0: Oh, okay, great, great. Well, I would yeah. definitely love to be on your podcast or your interview show. So please, after let me know. Yeah, that would be great. Know. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. And, so and we'll organize. It won't take us weeks and months. Let's <laughs> just. <This one took. laughs> my life has kind of gotten back Yeah, together, and so, so, so my
1: my YouTube, what I do is, of course, we'll, we'll be uh, on camera, um, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it, it's so it's to inspire writers. So, any tips that you have? Well, what well, we can talk about? <laughs> any yeah, tips no, that no, you I have would... for writers because you've been doing this. It sounds like as long as I have, so or maybe even longer. So. Um, what, what you've learned and what you, you can share with writers to help them through their struggle through self-publishing or traditional publishing.
0: Yeah. Don't give up. That's the big thing. Don't give up. Yeah. And also, I think, well, I want to save some of it for your show, but I, I think the most important <laughs> um, advice I would give is you have to find the joy in doing it, right? You can't think about the prize. Like You really have to enjoy the process. Yeah. And I know that's kind of true yeah. for every aspect of life, but I think it's particularly true for for um, for writing. Now, what would be your tip, your number one tip to, to other writers?
1: Um, yeah, well, you know, I just read. Have you read Rick Rubin's "A Creative Act: A Way of Being"? No, oh, it's a really good book. I recommend it because um, what he talks about is just what you were just saying about how uh, when you uh, a lot, and he he is a um, uh music producer so he's worked mostly with you know with musicians and uh the spice girls and i can't can't forget all the different people he worked with uh but what he his whole book is about how you can't uh, you almost have to forget your audience you have to really enjoy the creative act and if you enjoy the creative act and you kind of dismiss your audience for a little while you're you're actually you'll actually get your audience, the audience that you want, because you have to fall in love with creating whatever it is that you're creating and then that will attract your audience. Because if you're trying to write like for a market or you're trying to create something that you think other people are gonna like and you're not loving it, you're not going to you know, it's not you, the audience isn't dumb. They're going to be, they're going to feel that. They're going to know like this is not your best work. This isn't really something that you love. So I love, I, I really enjoyed his book, and I love that advice because I think that it's so true. You really, really need to, and it's hard. You, I mean, I'm always thinking, well, what, what's what's popular, or what you know, what will people want to read? Um, and you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, no, you I have to kind yeah.
0: of, if you build it, they will come. I, I think you have to kind of believe that. And I actually, I agree yeah. with that 100%. You, you, yeah. you have, and I think I just actually, I, I, every writer has read this, but Stephen King's on, on writing, I just read it recently. And yeah. he, he kind of has this concept of when you're writing, especially your first draft, you got to close the door. Close the door so, oh, so yeah. that you don't think about who's going to read it. And it's only afterwards that you think about, okay, now it's something I have to sell. So anyway, right. we'll, we'll right. leave it on that note, that inspiring note. Um, Julia, it's been so great uh, speaking with you, and and I look forward to youtubing it again. So I, I guess I'll have to put a little makeup on. See, I didn't. I'm wearing my pajamas right now. <laughs> the benefit of radio. Yeah, that's the nice thing
1: about <laughs> podcasting is you don't have to get dressed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. But I will, Julia. You're so pleasant and wonderful, and I will put on makeup for you, which is a big deal for me. I don't always do it, so I will put on some <laughs> lipstick for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, you. <laughs>
1: Thank you. for inviting me on your on your show.
0: Yeah, no, no, it's been an absolute pleasure. So, and and thanks to the audience for for sticking with me um, and and supporting fearless fiction. Um, I just want to let everyone know if you would like a free copy of a safe distance, you just have to come onto my podcast. Um, come onto my website bernadettewalsh dot com, and if you sign up for my newsletter, you will get a link to a free copy. So again, it's a safe distance. Um, and, and my newsletters, I'm not one of those people that bothers you with newsletters. I write just a few a year and I'm usually giving away something free. So it's a good thing. And it gives information about my podcast guests. So please check that out. BernadetteWalsh.com. Who doesn't like free, right? Um, well, thanks everyone for joining. And, um, again, also check out, I have over 50 interviews, um, prior interviews that are available. So please check all of those out. I have some really great guests. And I'm hoping to be a little more active in the upcoming months. I have some great guests um, uh, scheduled. So, um, again, I appreciate everyone supporting Fearless Fiction. So this is Bernadette Walsh, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.